Today we're continuing our message series, Jesus, our healer. We're talking about how Jesus can bring wholeness to our lives in every area, including physical healing. Today the message is entitled, Is Faith Required for Healing? Now when I tell you the message title, what phrase would might pop into your mind? You know, faith healers, right? Which gets a lot of negative press, doesn't it? In the media and in most places. Every once in a while, you even read a story about some parent or parents who supposedly believed God was going to heal their child and they thought they didn't need to take him to the doctor and something disastrous happened. And they thought they were doing God's will. And so let me start off by saying that God heals in many different ways. And God brings healing through doctors and medicine. And so as a believer, our faith is in God. And we believe he can use whatever means he desires to bring about the healing that we're praying for, the healing that we want. And that includes modern medicine. And so when somebody is sick, what do we do? We pray and we seek medical attention. That's wisdom. Because God has brought the blessing of modern medicine into our lives and into our century. God works through prayer and medicine hand in hand to bring about healing. Now as with many controversial topics, people in churches tend to go to extreme, extreme positions. And generally speaking, those extreme positions are, are not biblical. I've already mentioned people who believe that if you have enough faith, that God will heal you every time. And so, why do we need a doctor if all we need to do is pray? doesn't work that way, unfortunately. That position is not biblical. It leads to putting all the pressure on the sick person's faith. It leads to people being condemned. You're not healed. You must not have enough faith. It's all your fault. That's not biblical. On the other hand, some people take the other extreme position where everything depends on God. We pray, ask God, and God, in some mysterious way, is sovereign, and he decides yes, no. And we have really nothing to do with it. It's all up to God. And our faith plays no role at all. Well, that position is not biblical either. The biblical truth and healing, as in many topics is somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. And as we'll see today, faith is an important element of healing. And yet God is still sovereign and he decides the if, he decides the when, he decides the how of healing. And many biblical truths are intention. In other words, two truths which logically may seem contradictory are taught in the Bible. And that causes theologians to have fits and other people to not understand. And this is one of them. For example, the Bible teaches regarding healing that God is sovereign and he does whatever he wishes. The Bible also teaches that man has responsibility and he needs to pray and have faith in order for healing to take place. Now, how can both of those things be true? I don't quite know, but they are. The Bible teaches both. And this is true in many different topics. The Bible is a practical book. 
It's not just a book of theology that we can have a bunch of rules and a bunch of things that we know exactly what's going to happen. The Bible is a practical book in which there are principles that we can apply to our lives in particular situations. And as we pray, God helps us to take the truth that we need in our particular situation and apply it at the proper time in His way. And so regarding healing, we are seeing in this series that Jesus is indeed our healer. As we look at the pages of the Gospels, we see one of the major activities that Jesus was engaged in was healing people. He had compassion. He wanted to see people healed. And as they were healed, the glory was given to God. And I believe as our faith continues to grow, God wants to heal even more people than he's healed already in our church family. And yet, we don't live in heaven yet, do we? And God isn't going to heal the aging process. We're all going to die unless Jesus returns before then. And there is sin in the world. There is Satan in the world. And so often, for reasons that we don't understand, people aren't always healed, are they? But I believe God wants us to concentrate not on the exceptions, but on his general will, which is revealed in his word. Jesus is our compassionate healer. He cares about us. He wants to bring his healing power into our lives. He wants us to grow in faith, and yet have a balanced biblical view. And so today we're going to look at another example, another account of Jesus healing somebody. All you have to do is go through the Gospels and turn a couple pages and you'll find another one. There's so many there. And we can learn principles that are going to help us experience more of God's healing power in our lives. In the middle of your bulletin is a white page. I'd encourage you to take it out. And it has the outline of the message written out, the verses, in the, and you can fill in the blanks there. On the back is a study guide. I encourage you to look at that too. It has uh, some references, most of which are on the front, not all. And as you go through those questions, God is going to use that to deepen your understanding of his word. In order to be healed, you need to come to Jesus. Our story begins in Matthew 8, verse 5. It said, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Now, last Sunday, if you were here, if you weren't, that's okay. But we looked at Jesus healing a leper. And lepers were outcasts in Jewish society. They were unclean. Nobody wanted to be near them lest they become unclean. And so Jesus compassionately reached out to somebody on the fringes of society and touched them, and brought healing into their lives. Now today's account involves a centurion. A centurion was a soldier. He was a Roman soldier. He was over probably around 100 men. Estimates vary from 80 to several hundred. But he was an important military figure, and he was not a Jew. He was a Roman. And he must have heard about Jesus' healing ministry. He was a Gentile. And so he came to Jesus and he asked for healing. In verse 6, he says, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed in, in terrible suffering. Now here we have a different twist to the story. In the first case, last Sunday, the leper, the sick person, came to Jesus and asked for healing. Today, the centurion comes and asks for healing, not for himself, but for his servant. The sickness of his servant seemed quite serious. It says his servant was paralyzed. He couldn't move. He was obviously in serious pain. The centurion calls Jesus Lord. 
He calls him master. In the Greek, the word is kurios. He acknowledges that Jesus is somebody special. And so how will Jesus respond? Now, before we go on with the story, let's remember again that Jesus came to this earth to show us what God was like. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the exact representation of God. And so when we look at Jesus and the things he did, it shows us what God is like. And God never changes. When we look at Jesus, it shows us the compassion of God. It shows us the power of God. Jesus came to show us God's will. And so these stories, I have to keep reminding us, I have to keep reminding myself that these stories are not just ancient history. They are not just things that happened 2,000 years ago. Yes, they are that. But they're there to teach us something about what God is like and how we can interact and relate to God just as the people did back then. Jesus is willing to heal. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. Jesus didn't have a long discussion with the centurion about his servant. He just gave a brief reply. He said, I will go and heal him. Circle the word will. Remember last Sunday when the leper asked him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me whole. What was Jesus' answer? I am willing. Jesus was willing. In fact, there's not a single example in the pages of the Gospels where somebody asked for healing and Jesus said, go away, I'm not going to do it. When you come to Jesus and ask for healing, Jesus is willing to heal now let's talk a little bit more about the relationship between medicine and healing. In Jesus' day, the doctors could do far less than doctors can do today. I mean, modern medicine is a great blessing. There's many things that can be healed, many things that can be cured through doctors today. In the case of the centurion servant, most likely they'd already seen a doctor or a doctor had come and, you know, he didn't know what to do. It was a hopeless case. The doctors could do nothing. And so the centurion came to Jesus for healing. But in our day, with medicine having so many uh, breakthroughs and those type of things, we need to be careful not to look only to the doctors for healing. A tragic example in the Old Testament was of a king named Asa. Second Chronicles 16, 12, and 13, it says, In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. And the next verse says Asa died. What was Asa's problem? He didn't seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. His hope, his faith was in the doctors to heal him, and he didn't even bother to pray. He didn't even bother to seek God. And who knows today that the doctors cannot heal everything. Who knows somebody has, has a problem that doctors can't do anything about. There's many, many things today that we need God in. So what should we do when we're sick? Always pray to God first. And ask for his healing power for yourself or somebody you know. If the illness is severe, get immediate medical attention. You can do that and pray at the same time. We've done that many times with our kids. 
We rushed to the emergency room and we're praying all the way there. And God brings about healing. Even as you receive medical care, pray that God would direct the doctors. You ever heard about hospital mistakes? The left leg is taken off when the right leg was supposed to be. Or these things happen all the time. Most of the deaths in hospitals are people getting the wrong medicines. A nurse gets things mixed up and they get the medicine for the guy next to them and it doesn't work out too good. I pray there be no mistakes made. Pray, the, pray that God would cause the medicines to be effective, that side effects wouldn't take place, that God would bring a quick and complete recovery. There's many things we can pray about that God can work through modern medicine. But put your trust, first and foremost, as Jesus as the healer and God as the healing power. He's the one that works in all these things to bring about the desired result. We need to believe in the power of Jesus. Jesus told the centurion, I will go and heal your servant. The centurion replied, he said, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. The centurion was obviously a humble man. And he had great respect for Jesus. He felt that Jesus did not even have to come to his house. Jesus would just need to speak a word and the healing could take place even at a long distance. The centurion believed in Jesus' power. He had faith that understood Jesus' authority. Centurion goes on to say in verse 9 and 10, For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And so Jesus was astonished at this centurion's faith, at this centurion's understanding of Jesus' authority. Now what was it that astonished Jesus? Well, the centurion was a military officer and so he understood the chain of command. He understood that he had superiors above him and when they said, go this way, he went that way. He understood that he had soldiers underneath him and when he told them to do this, they did it. Just as his servant did as well. And he made this leap that the same thing that happened in the physical realm also happened in the spiritual realm. In other words, the centurion understood that Jesus was Lord. He was the chief commander. And everybody answered to him. And when Jesus spoke the word, Everything and everyone had to obey. And so when Jesus spoke a word, sickness had to flee. When Jesus spoke a word, healing had to come. Because Jesus was above all. And that really is the essence of faith. Believing that Jesus' authority is over everything. That there's nothing that can stand when Jesus speaks the word. Jesus has authority over all sickness and all disease. And healing comes through faith. Verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. 
and his servant was healed at that very hour. And so Jesus told the centurion that the healing would happen just as he believed it would. The faith of the centurion was critically important in this healing. Notice that in ca this case, the centurion's faith was effectual, even though he wasn't the sick person. He believed, and his servant was healed. And so faith was involved. We know nothing of the faith of the servant. We don't even know if the servant knew that the centurion was going to talk to Jesus. We don't know anything about him other than he was very sick and he was healed. And so the facts of the story, the things that are written down, are written there for a purpose, for us to understand the importance of faith, for us to understand that you can believe for somebody else's healing. Now some would say, well, surely Jesus can heal a person. I mean, why do we need to be faith? He has all this power. He has all this authority. Why do we need to believe at all? I mean, if he's going to do it, just let him do it. There's an interesting verse in Mark 6, verse 5. It says of Jesus, he could not do any miracles there in his hometown. That's what it's speaking of. Except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Why couldn't Jesus do many miracles there? Because the people didn't believe. They didn't have much faith. It limited the effectual working of Jesus' power. It says he could not do any miracles there. If faith was not present, then Jesus wasn't going to do miraculous healing. He couldn't do miraculous healing. Faith was required for healing. And we see that in a number of other places as well. Do I understand everything about this? No. <laughs> Do I understand every time when we pray somebody is healed and another time somebody isn't? No, I don't understand everything about it. A number of years ago, I was called on to pray for a mother who was pregnant. And she was early in the pregnancy and she'd begun to bleed and she was afraid she was going to miscarry. And so we went and prayed for her. We anointed her with oil. We prayed that God would heal her, that God would keep the baby safe. And uh, we asked God for it. A few weeks later, the bleeding continued and she miscarried. A year later, the mother became pregnant again. I forget exactly how far into the pregnancy, about the same time she started bleeding again. Oh, no. And she called for us to pray again. So we went, anointed her with oil, and we prayed. The second time as I prayed, I sensed a little something different. I mean, I, in the natural, this would have been a more, what's the word, desperate situation. Last time it didn't work. Why would it work this time? But yet I sensed the faith in myself that things were going to be okay and the baby was going to be born healthy. And so we prayed and we went away and over the next few weeks the bleeding stopped. The baby went full term, was born healthy. Now, what was the difference between the two prayers? I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know. But I sent something different the second time. Now, was it a fault in me the first time? I don't know. Or was it not God's will for some particular reason? I don't know. Or was there faith of other people involved? But I think the take-home point was 
here as believers, we have a responsibility to pray with all the faith we've got. And our faith can grow. As we pray for people and we see God move, our faith can grow. As we read God's word, our faith can grow. We pray for people and we trust God. We have the responsibility to pray with faith. The Bible also tells us that faith is a gift from God. It's actually a gift of the Spirit, the gift of faith. And so sometimes God, as you seek his gifts, we're told to seek the gifts. And sometimes he gives us a gift of faith to really believe for a particular situation. And maybe that's what happened. Never give up praying. Never give up believing God for healing. Even if it seems to take a long time, even if it didn't seem to work last time, we believe in Jesus' power. We follow what the Word of God says. We pray and we believe. We trust Jesus for everything. You know, sometimes we think we can handle things. We don't need to bother Jesus with small things, but Jesus wants to help us with everything in life. And when we allow Jesus to help us with the small things, it builds our faith for the bigger things. I find it interesting, the next account, we're going to look at a very short one, in this chapter where Jesus heals what I think is a small sickness. In verse 14 and 15, Jesus has just said the word, the centurion's servant has been healed. And he went to Peter's house. It says, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. Now God in this series of incidents is showing that Jesus wants to heal everyone. First he healed a leper, then he healed a, a Roman soldier who was a Gentile, and now he heals a woman, a mother-in-law, who was sick in bed with a fever. Now that doesn't seem like a major illness, does it? I mean, you get the flu, you get a fever, you're in bed, you can't do much. I think this was a small thing. And this was put in here to show us that Jesus was concerned even about fevers. Jesus is concerned even about colds, things that take us uh, out of commission for a while. And what did he do again? He touched her. And we see this again and again. When he brings healing, he touches the person. The fever left and she got up and began immediately to serve the people there. And so Jesus is concerned about even the small cases. And when he brings healing in the small cases, it builds our faith to believe him for the bigger cases. It says in verse 16, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. So next week, we're going to discuss in greater detail the role of demons in sickness and healing. Again, people don't talk much about it, but if you read through the Gospels, it's there almost as frequently as healing. What is that all about? But here we see Jesus' healing power demonstrated in setting people free from evil spirits and healing the sick. These were big cases. This wasn't simply a fever. You notice that the demon-possessed were brought to him. They didn't come by themselves. Somebody cared about them. They were in big trouble. Their lives had been turned upside down by some evil power and they were brought to Jesus to be set free. And Jesus healed them as well. Somebody else had faith to bring those people to Jesus. And he healed them. 
healing ultimately comes through the cross. The last verse in Matthew 8 we're going to look at today is verse 17. It says this, and that's referring back to everything we've been talking about this morning, the healing of the centurion's servant, the healing of, these, of uh, Peter's mother-in-law, the healing of these other people. It says this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. Matthew here is quoting Isaiah chapter 53. It's a, a prophecy. It's a, a messianic prophecy concerning Jesus and what Jesus would do when he came to this earth. It talks about Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. It's referred to multiple times in the New Testament. Here's a couple of verses from Isaiah 53. It says, surely he, and this is speaking of the coming Messiah, who is clearly indicated here in Matthew and other places that this was Jesus. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. For he was, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. And so Jesus' death on the cross not only brings forgiveness for our sins, for those who believe, it also makes available healing to those who also put their hope and trust in God for that. And so our message today posed the question, is, is faith required for healing? So in the story of the centurion servant, we see that the centurion's faith was instrumental in Jesus' healing of his servant. And so faith is required for healing. Either the faith of the sick person, the faith of somebody bringing that sick person to be prayed for, or even the faith of the person who is praying for the sick person. Faith is required somewhere in that mix. And so how can we seek God to have our faith grow? How can we grow in believing God? Who would like to be able to pray for people and see them healed? If you have a heart of compassion, you don't like to see sick people suffering, do you? You want to help them. Well, begin to seek God for healing, even in the small cases. Look to Him for healing wherever there is a sickness. Read the Gospel accounts. We said this last Sunday. Read them with the eye to saying, Jesus did this 2,000 years ago. This is what God is like. God wants to do it today. God, will you use me to bring your healing power into other people's lives? Ask God for opportunities to pray for those who are sick. I suspect you go to work, there's not a week that goes by that somebody isn't complaining about some physical illness or calamity. It might just be a headache. It might be something more serious. What is that? That's your opportunity. Say, could I pray for you for that? Offer to pray. If there's a serious illness, you might invite the person to church. We can pray for them here. The Bible tells to bring people to the elders of the church and they will pray for the sick. So at the end of every service, we have an opportunity for people to be prayed for, for anything that you might need, but including physical healing. We encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity. And in all our prayers, we trust Jesus. We trust Him for everything. We don't get discouraged if things don't happen just in the timing we expect. We don't get discouraged if 
Nothing seems to happen for a while. We keep on believing. We keep on praying. The very most important healing is spiritual healing. That's in which healing in which Jesus forgives our sins and makes us a child of God through his Holy Spirit. In order to be healed spiritually, we need to admit that we've done wrong things, that we've sinned. Sin is a spiritual disease. And we've all been infected by sin in our lives. The Bible says all have sinned. There are no exceptions. And we need to admit that we've sinned, that we are infected with the disease of sin. Secondly, we need to believe that Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life. He was the only one who was not infected with the disease of sin. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. In some way, he took our sin upon himself that we might be forgiven. He paid the price. And finally, we commit our lives to following Jesus Christ in everything that he asks us to do. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. If you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ or perhaps you've wandered away and you want to recommit your life, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Say something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things in my life. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you all my days in Jesus' name. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray that God would take the words of his word and apply them to our lives. Father, we thank you today for the stories that we've read of your healing power when, you were, when Jesus was here on this earth. And we're grateful that not only did this happen 2,000 years ago, but you are still able and willing to heal today. You're just as powerful today as you were back then. Help our faith to grow so that our church might be a healing place for many. Help our faith to grow so that you could use each one of us to pray for others and see you touch them in, in a healing way. Open our understanding to your authority that our faith might grow as the centurion's faith was great. May we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the name of Jesus is above every other name. That the name of Jesus is above the name of every sickness, above the name of every disease. That there is no illness known to man that Jesus cannot heal. Use us, God, to bring physical, spiritual, and emotional healing to those who need your touch. May we have your compassion, God. May we actually believe that you want to do something for those that you bring into our lives. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do as we look to you to use us in this way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.